Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We would like to start off our show by acknowledging the Yugambeh people, the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Excuse me, I have something to say. This is the podcast where we have real and open conversations with everyday people, professionals and public figures who all have something to say. I'm your host, Sean Philip Mailer, and you can join me every fortnight as we dig a little bit deeper into our shared human experience. You can join in on our conversations by heading over to the show's official pages and sending me a DM. You can share with me your own experiences, opinions, and feedback on the show over on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at excuseme underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook if you search Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say or through our official website, excusemeihavesomethingtosay.com. And don't forget that you can rate and leave a review of the show, which is going to help our conversations reach a wider audience. And remember to share, like and subscribe so that you never have to miss a show. A big welcome back to you and a big hello and welcome to everyone who's tuning in for the first time. Now, I'm not sure if you've all been following the socials for the show, but if you haven't, I just wanted to let you know that a few weeks ago we uploaded some episodes of the show onto our YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the show, um, then you can because video editing is a bit of a bitch compared to audio editing. You might even find some bonus content in the videos that didn't quite make the final cut to the audio content. So when you get a chance, please go on over to, excuse me, I have something to say on YouTube and have a watch, like, comment, review, and remember to click the subscribe button and turn on notifications. Now, before we get started, this episode comes with a trigger warning this week. In this episode, we talk about body image, body dysmorphia, toxic positivity, gender identity, mental health, and more. So if these topics are triggering for you, please sit this one out or make sure that you have a support person close by. So coming up on the show today, my very special guest and I are getting personal as we take a look into the body positivity movement and talk about a few other body images issues and topics such as body acceptance and body neutrality. As mentioned, I have a very special guest joining me this week, a fan favorite, 
who just keeps coming back for more and who is always sporting a fabulous new look with every episode. And I am here for it, particularly this one. Please welcome back to the show someone very special to me and to the show, the always funny, always engaging host of the podcast may contain traces of soy, my friend and yours, Miss Rochelle Lindquist. Hi, Rochelle. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I feel like there should have been a swell of, you know, applause from the crowd at that point you know so let's add that in later I totally you know what I totally thought that and I was reading it I'm like I should totally put like a sound effect in here of like everybody clapping because it's well deserved oh you're so sweet thank you for having me on I'm so psyched to be here today I'm incredibly passionate about body positivity and body acceptance and it's been a long journey for me coming into the world you know and being in the world existing in a larger body so psyched to get into it I'm super excited for us to tackle this topic, but before we get stuck into it, let's take a a quick little second to talk about my second favorite podcast. Obviously, this is my first. Your podcast may contain traces of soy. You are back with season three of the show, Living in Tassie. How is it all going? Where can the people catch you? Give us all the info. Go. (laughs) Well, yes, we are back. We're doing season three now of Make a Teen Trace to Soy. We are dropping an episode weekly on Fridays. They'll be there every Friday morning on all your favorite podcasting platforms. You can find us on Instagram at Make a Teen Trace to Soy and on Facebook. But to be honest, guys, we are much more active on Instagram. And that is really where like everyone congregates to kind of talk and stuff there. But definitely go check out the show and check out the YouTube as well. So we've started a YouTube account to go along with the show. We're doing complimentary videos. Uh, This week's video had nothing to do with the podcast episode. It was me dyeing my (laughs) hair pink and it's amazing. And you should go check it out. That's the Vegan Shell channel, but we'll drop a link in the show notes, guys. Wonderful. So don't forget to check all of these show notes and all of the links, everything that you need to keep up with Shell and May Contain Traces of Soy will all be there for you. But today we're having a little chat about body positivity. This is a topic that I've wanted to discuss on the show since season one. Um, I've had it penciled in for each season so far, but just never really got to it, never really found an angle that I thought sort of represented the conversation as I wanted to have it. Shell, as one of the most positive, honest and forward thinking people I know, your name has always been attached to this conversation for me. So thank you for coming back on the show to have this conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited that we're about to do this. So there are really three parts to, to the angle of this conversation that I'm wanting us to touch on. Um, Obviously it's the conversation is larger than anything we're going to tackle on today's show, but um, the three touch points that I want to talk about are briefly our body positivity, of course, body acceptance and body neutrality. So let's start us off Rochelle Ellington with a very honest question that I want to ask for both of us. I will throw you under the bus first How do you feel about your body? I mean, that is a question uh, where the answer can change on the daily. It can change moment to moment. And it's definitely changed a lot throughout my life. So I feel as though at this point in my life, I am in a pretty good place with my body. I'm actually pretty comfortable with it 
pretty happy existing in it. And it's a complex kind of question. I think right now I, I like my body. I appreciate everything that it does for me, but I don't have massively strong feelings one direction or another. If I'm naked and dancing in the kitchen, then that moment, I fucking love my body. And I'm like, look, is it jiggle? You know, watch the <laughs> yes. shake. Yes, girl. I enjoy that. I really enjoy, you know, existing in my body in those moments. And there are moments where I exist in my body where I'm like walking upstairs and I'm like, I'm out of breath. I should really be better to my body. I feel a bit unfit right now. You know, I should be treating it better. I'm leaning on some vices too much. And you know, I'm a little bit disappointed in my body's performance at times, but overall I'm pretty, I'm pretty accepting. I would say of my body, I'm probably neutral to positive the majority of the time, but if you had all this, you would be, you know what I'm saying? But how about you? Where are you at with your body? Uh, Look again, I think same sentiment as you to start with, it very much varies from day to day. Example, the other day, uh, very unhealthily, uh, let's call it a fast was an accidental fast I hadn't eaten anything all day and I had that hunger feeling and I was like I'm feeling good like I feel like I feel like I'm thin you know because everybody wants us to be thin all the time uh even though I'm not and wasn't and that's fine but um yeah like on that day I was feeling like that and then the next day you know I had some toast for breakfast and you know just healthy and that day I I didn't like myself um, I was like, today I feel fat and bloated. My clothes don't fit. I don't feel comfortable. I would say for me and my own body issues, which I've spoken about eating disorders and things on the show before, I've got a very, as we all do, a very complex relationship with my body and very much spend a lot of my time going, my body's not good enough. My body could be better. And that's physically in terms of you know, what society tells us we should look like as men, women, and everyone in between. In terms of health-wise, I obviously, for me, I, I need to be out, I need to be being more active than I am just for my own body's health. But I love and appreciate my body for all it does, from being able to digest food healthily to being, you know, lucky enough to be able to, I guess, live in what is a quote unquote normal body in the sense that it functions the way it should. Yeah, Um, I hear that. Yeah, I hear you for all of those things. And I think that um, if you want to dive right into it, like Mm. something that has informed my practice of actively and recklessly trying to like love my body, however it is, wherever it's at, that has come from a place of you know, having gone through periods of disordered eating. And I am constantly catching myself almost falling into disordered eating habits again in both kind of extreme directions because my relationship with food is fucked up like so like it is for so many people like my relationship with food is fucked up like you know I it's the enemy it's everything it's emotional comfort it's something to be avoided at all costs like I have some issues to unpack and I'm actually booked in to start seeing a psychologist down here specifically because I want to address some of this stuff and you know a few other things like imposter syndrome but I've just decided I've hit a point where I really need to actually talk that through in therapy properly because I'm just you know forever in those cycles and I'm trying very hard to break out of it so I still managed to fall into those cycles while still loving my body <laughs> which is insane But controlling food, I find to be a very uh, seductive way of handling stress. And I think a lot of people, you know, feel that as well. Yeah, 
I mean, I often make the joke and I probably shouldn't joke, but I make the joke. It's a joke to me because it's a coping mechanism where I will often say, I'm eating my feelings this week and I'm having a lot of feelings. Yes, Sometimes <laughs> things are funny. A buffet of feelings. But, uh, yeah. Or you can eat buffet. I go into town. Very bad joke in poor taste. So I apologize if that joke offends anybody, but I feel it's a very relatable sentiment. So a little history lesson, the body positivity movement. It's been around for ages. I didn't know this. I, I mean, I guess on some degree, I've always thought it would have been around for ages, but the movement itself, it's not just a conversation that we've been having recently, although the conversation has evolved throughout the years, the origins of the body positive movement can be traced all the way back to the 1850s to the 1890s with something called the Victorian Dress Reform Movement. Do you know of this? No, I didn't. I was going to start talking about the fat positivity movement of the 60s and the fat ends. Oh, we'll totally get to that in just one sec. But so in the 1850s, 1890s, a Victorian dress reform movement formed part of the first wave of feminism. And it was aimed at putting an end to the need for women to use things like corsets and tight lacing on their bodies in order to satisfy the social standard of the time for women to have tiny, tiny waistlines. So there's a, a little history lesson for you that I was not aware of that I found incredibly interesting. Like we hear about women fighting the the fashion industry and and whatever with the use of corsets in the past but to think of it as they trace it back to the start of body positivity who knew not me no that's amazing I was not aware of that although it makes a lot of sense because you had the suffragette movement happening um you know this was kind of and there is so much in that that we can like we don't have time to unpack how problematic that was as a result of the time from which it occurred you know, they were very much fighting for the rights only of like white upper middle class women. That was their main concern. And there was no kind of concept of understanding the privilege that they had in society. But of course, these movements are all affected by where they start. They're colored by the time they exist. And it's interesting, though, because it was something that was bad for female bodies, the tight lacing, the excessive corsetry and stuff. And that can be done in a safe way. I know people in the body positivity movement who enjoy corseting and it's like a part of what they do, but they're just, you know, aware of what they're doing and they're doing it for an interest in bodily autonomy and expression rather than about, you know, meeting. Cause honestly, that's not a standard for women these days for no. beauty. Like there aren't dudes going, Oh, you need to be corseted for me to want to get into that waspy waist. It's like, no, this is usually a queer non-binary person being like, this is part of performance, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's different these days, but back then, like they were very much hurting themselves. They were, you know, causing problems. Organs were shifting around. Bones were, you know, breaking in cases. So yeah, sounds normal. Sounds healthy. Yeah, just about. (laughs) So you were going to talk about the, which movement from the 60s, did you say? The fat positivity movement. So I'd like to make a note here in the show and talk about how body positivity movement, body neutrality and body acceptance, all wonderful movements, but we should acknowledge that there is a separate movement to this called the fat positivity movement. And that actually started, I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, around to some degree before that, but there in the 1960s, there was a journalist who realized that 
people were, he was like an overweight person himself. His wife was overweight and she was getting bullied at work and treated differently for being fat. And he started looking into it, researching it, writing stuff. And they formed a body over in the US. I can't remember what it was called because I didn't do this research beforehand. I've just read about it in the past. But yeah, it was like basically... Uh, for the rights of fat people. And they had a fat in kind of like there was a bee in in San Francisco. They had a fat in um, somewhere. So hold on. What does that mean? Like, it, like a sit in? Uh, well, they all sat, they all sat together with like signs about how it's okay to be oh. fat, basically. Yeah. They existed in the world. So I feel as though it's important to note that there's a difference between, you know, being sort of uh, in the body positivity movement and being in the fat positivity movement, because there are people who exist in larger bodies I have what they would call a mid-size to large body you know so um because I'm not in the top ranges of what you know people can get to but I'm not right down here being normal size or skinny um and normal is a problematic term but we're talking average here I'm in that kind of mid-size area anywhere from sort of a 14 to like an 18 which is what they call mid-size And that's a different world to exist in than being in the fat positivity movement, which is very much about celebrating your larger body and being able to take up space because the body positivity movement, it often, even though they're trying to do the right thing, and obviously everyone has a right to feel positive about their body. I don't think that should be taken away from everyone or anyone for that matter. It's still a case of you see attractive slightly overweight mid-size or like people with just a little bit of cellulite and that's you know representing the body positivity movement a lot of the time and that deserves a place but for people in much larger bodies they kind of go I don't see myself represented in this movement and I don't feel as though I'm welcome here because you guys still you know, they're not kind of a lot of people in the body positivity movement might not be radically focused on trying to eradicate judgment of all bodies, but rather just celebrating their personal experience or the other bodies around them. And anytime we kind of go, oh, I'm body positive, but as long as you're healthy, you're Mm -hmm. kind of like, it's an ableist statement at the end of the day, because if you're going to reject larger bodies from that movement, you're not really letting everyone into it. And I feel as though no matter what's going on, everyone should be welcomed into that movement. So they're just to talk about the separations between those different movements. I got right off track there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. The listeners know that that's what we do when we're together. We get right off track. I know. <laughs> it's funny because like, obviously Hollywood has a lot to answer for. Magazines have a lot to answer for. Fashion industry, beauty industries, all of these places haven't always shown the diversity of humans on this planet. I remember being little and, you know, you'd hear, often you'd hear people say, particularly if it was at school and there was bullying or, you know, fat shaming and, you know, that sort of bullying at school, teachers and parents would always be like, you know, you have to respect that everybody is different and people come in all shapes and sizes and colors and creeds and all of the things. And that's like a narrative that I think I've grown up with. And I don't really think until not like right now, but in the past, probably 10 years that the rest of the world is playing by that rule in or starting to mm. and and sort of you know showcasing the multifaceted beautiful different shapes of colors and races and all all of the people and genders and everybody that's out there and starting to see more and more of it and I appreciate that and I like it and I wish that a little me got exposed to a lot more of that a lot sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Representation in the media is so incredibly important 
I, and I am just a mid-size, like privileged white woman. And I did not see another woman like myself being celebrated. One of the only people I could point to, one of the only examples in media that I saw growing up where it was a overweight woman who was still the star of the show and who was still attractive was Miss Piggy. That is one of the only body positive plus size examples I could see as a child. Fat women who were around, plus size women who were around back then, no one was ever as plus size as me. And if they were, they covered them up in massive oversized shirts. And it was a huge butt of the joke that they were so fat. And it was like, she's the fat friend. She's funny. That's what she gets to be. And that was all I saw. And I was just like, this, why is there not, you know, because I had main can- <laughs> I had main character syndrome from a very young age. And I was like, I am the star of the show. Why isn't there someone out there that looks like me? You know, I was like, uh, I am the shit. Why are they not around? <laughs> so yeah, I kind of didn't see that. And it, it has only really changed in the last few years that we've started to have people And even like then, it is still so often a part of their character arc or narrative that they are fat and that it affects like their lives. It's like, for once, can we just have a larger body when they're being in a larger body is not some kind of a massive, you know, moment in the show. Like, oh, she's fat. Isn't it amazing? It's like, no, fuck off. Just (laughs) let people exist. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's funny because we have conversations that are similar in in our household obviously being a very gay household hey Benny and I will often watch queer movies and it's not like it's getting better but we would often watch queer movies and be like how come everything has to be centered around you know HIV and AIDS why can't we just have a regular old little you know Drew Barrymore rom-com style movie that's just accepting and reflective of of now obviously don't want to take anything away from from our queer history and you know what the AIDS epidemic was it was massive and and pivotal but it would be nice to not cry with sad tears at every queer movie so you know I feel what you're saying as as somebody you know a woman in a larger body and I find it really really kind of sad that you know Miss Piggy as fabulous as she is was Mm. really the only person that you could look up to in somebody who you could identify with and it's an interesting point that you make and just sidebarring off topic for a second it was on the news I think last week that the representation in kids books that are presented to kids in school needs to change and there was a lot of talk around the fact that marginalized communities yeah sure you're getting great wonderful books like possum magic and things like that that are sort of quintessentially Australian kids books and they're in every school but a lot of the young kids of color are finding representation in an animal not in a human Mm. and although they humanized Miss Piggy and you found representation for larger bodies with Miss Piggy it still had to be a cartoon puppet animal it It was a cartoon pig and I can remember being quite young and thinking the worst thing in the world would be for people to think of me like I was a pig like I was fat I remember thinking that's the worst thing that you can be even though I knew it was what I was inherently. Like I was a chubby child my whole life. I was like taller than everyone else, bigger than everyone else, fatter than everyone else. And it was just something that I was aware of from such a young age. And it's funny because I don't know when I became fully aware of it, but probably before I went to primary school, 
it was not something I really thought about. And it was only once I was in primary school, socialized with other children who would point out that I was different and they would make fun of me for being fat, that it occurred to me that it was bad to be fat. And as you get older and these gender roles and this like, you know, imprint of what an adult, you know, what kind of adult you will be is placed on you from such a young point like she'll be a heartbreaker or he's going to, you know, have all the ladies after and all that kind of crap, that heteronormative bullshit that society does. I think it places it on you so early that you're already kind of expected to be dealing with that. But one interesting thing I can kind of refer to in terms of like being a small child and being like dealing with all of that was when I was, I think only maybe four or five, it was before I'd gone to primary school, my sister had been doing ballet lessons And mom was like, well, we'll put Rochelle in for ballet too. And so she put me in for ballet and I was in the class for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden she pulled me out and I wasn't going to be in the class anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. I really liked it though. I thought it was fun. Like I enjoyed being in ballet. And I found out recently that the reason why she pulled me out was because the teacher had body shamed me and said, Rochelle didn't she's not going to look right in the, um, you know, we're not going to give her the same costume as the other girl. She's not going to look right in it because I was a chubby little kid with a fat little belly and they didn't want me to look like the other ballerinas in the show. They were going to give me a different costume or something. And mom was like, we're not doing this. And on your mom, but- I think, yes, but she internalized some of that because yeah. I was put on diets the rest of my life. Like I remember from a really young age being like on diets. And I think she internalized that idea that it would be hard for me if I but was also, fat. there's probably, like I'll try and fix it there there may have also been a level of your teacher fat shamed you you're the ballet teacher to your mother which probably made your mum question a little bit perhaps and this is speculation of whether or not she was doing a good enough job as a mum because her daughter was you know society standards considered overweight and then what's the what's the fallout from that from this one ballet teacher is that she then puts all of these thoughts on your mum who then tries to do what she probably thinks is the right thing which is to help get your weight down Mm. and I mean that's just open that can of worms like that's crazy your poor mum well yeah I mean I think my mum probably like all women who grew up when she did you know being sort of born in the 50s young in the 70s and 80s like, of course, there was a lot of internalized fat phobia that she would carry with her and all of those kind of issues. But yeah, when I was, I think like when I was a kid and stuff and she was putting me on those diets, the funny thing was when I was in primary school and I would constantly be put on diets, I was eating what the rest of the kids in the house would eat because I have five siblings. And we were also all very active at one point in primary school, like when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 sort of time. I was doing four different classes. So I did karate and jujitsu and Iaido. So that's three martial arts. And then for a little while, I did belly dancing. She'll beat you up. Yeah, don't mess with me. But I did all of those classes and I did belly dancing and I would like, you know, do flips and I was really flexible and I was eating the same stuff everyone else ate. And my weight never dropped below what was considered on the BMI scale to be overweight, borderline obese. Like that was just where I sat. And whenever we go to see the doctor, they would do tests and they would say, well, everything came back and you're very healthy. 
but you're still overweight and you still have to lose weight. And mom would be like, all right, so we'll try another diet. And I understood and I knew what calories were in everything and rice crackers and fruit. And I was eating less than like, I was eating a thousand calories a day for like long stretches as a child, like as an 11 year old child. Um, trying to lose weight and I would lose a couple of kilos but if I ate like a human being again it would come back and it was just very hard and it was always an issue yeah it was a strange thing I don't think any 12 year old kid should know how many calories are in a rice cake it's just not it's not cool hey (laughs) no it's not cool it's problematic kids that kids that age should just be out having a good time or these days scrolling through tiktok (laughs) but then that's a problem in itself because have you seen uh, the people yeah. on TikTok? Exactly. Um, okay, so who are some people that you think are positive ambassadors for body positivity movement? People who are doing it the right way, celebrating it the right way. I would say go and check out. She used to be called Body Positive Panda. Now she goes by her full name, which is Megan Jane Crab. And I will do a link to her Instagram She's got a book and she's actually a recoverer of eating disorders. So she had gone through periods in her life where she had anorexia and the difference is shocking, like what, you know, how bad she had gotten. And she's been a body positive advocate for a long time now. She does great stuff online and she's really wonderful and just really good at you know, getting the message out there in a way that's really healthy to absorb as well. And then Jamila Jamil, I love, and obviously Lizzo, I think is an absolute queen. So mm-hmm. those three would be my picks. I love it. How let's just sit with Lizzo for a minute. Cause she, mm. she's very good. She's very like musically. She's incredible. And yes. she's so body positive and yes, it's, and like, she's so fucking hot. I think Lizzo might be one of the first women I've seen in a large body, not just a mid-sized body. You know, she makes everyone hot under the collar. She, people are turned on by her and they don't, I think they struggle with it. I think there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the fact that she makes them excited and like, you know, turned on because they're like, but it doesn't make sense to me. Society's told me you can't be hot. And she's like, oh, I am. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Look at me. And she is fit as fuck. Like you cannot dance around on a stage like that in the smaller bodies, let alone a larger body and not be fit and healthy. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like she is twerking and playing the flute and rapping all in the space of a couple of minutes in a lot of her shows. To be able to do all of that, you need to be incredibly fit. But I think that one thing we should be aware of is that we should never be deciding whether or not, like being fit shouldn't be a qualifier to whether or not you can celebrate your body. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like that happens a lot where we go, oh, but they're healthy, so it's okay. It's like, it's not anyone's business whether someone's healthy. They should be happy and happy to be in that body, whether they're feeling healthy or not. Because when we qualify body positivity as only being something for people who are quote unquote healthy or fit, then we say that if you're unhealthy, you shouldn't be happy in your body, which makes it harder to do anything to focus on making it healthier and to love yourself no matter where you're at in your journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just jealous of Lizzo. Like if I could dance around on a stage like that. I would... Oh my God. 100%. Like what a queen. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. So The second point that I wanted to touch on is body acceptance. So I found this really great website and I can't think what it's called off the top of my head, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
that had a couple of sort of differences between, or I guess, definitions of the three parts of the topic. So body acceptance is the second one. So the difference between body positivity and body acceptance is that with body acceptance, you don't have to be thrilled with your body like every minute, but instead you can figure out how to accept it. So this may be especially helpful for those who are in recovery as it doesn't require body love, which can feel like an overwhelming goal. Some think that body positivity does not leave room for insecurities and frustrations and that loving your body every day is not realistic. Alternatively, acceptance is treating our bodies with respect and care, including all of our deepest insecurities and knowing that some days will be harder than others. In the end, body acceptance is about reflecting on why you feel negatively towards your body and how you can find peace with your body without needing to change it. What do you think to that? I think that's such an important point because I don't think that any of us are feeling positive about our body 100% of the Mm -hmm. time and body acceptance is a much more realistic goal because there are times like we spoke about at the start of the episode where I'm elated and excited and completely in love with my body and the way it moves. And then other times I'm very like, I'm just okay with you. I'm feeling quite neutral about you today. But yeah, I think that that really honors the truth of our emotions and where we're at in different phases with our bodies and with our body image issues because we still have them no matter where we're at and planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think that that's such an important place to kind of come from the conversation too. I actually, I have found recently that I have been, so I started doing YouTube, like I was talking about earlier, only a few weeks ago. And when I originally started Make Teen Trace to Soy, I did start a YouTube like halfway through that year. And I think I put up one video and every time I tried to record a video, I actually found that I was uncomfortable with looking at my body as I moved about the video. I was uncomfortable with seeing when I'd get a double chin and things like that from the position, because when you take a photo, you can obviously pose and stay and it looks good. But when you're actually moving around, you have like awkward angles. And I wasn't ready to deal with that two years ago. I wasn't in a place where I could handle it. I was probably five, 10 kilos lighter than I am now then too but I was just not happy to accept what, where I was at then. So doing video again now, I'm actually just in a different place with my body where I'm comfortable accepting it as it is. And I've decided 
that my desire to put, you know, content out there and create stuff and have a place where I can, you know, share stuff and share my opinion and make content, it trumps my uncomfortableness over how my body looks. And to hit that point is quite a moment for me, especially existing in a slightly larger body than I was even two years ago. And that's interesting. Um, I think that's a good example of how I've come to be a little bit more neutral about my body than I was, because it's not about being wildly excited over how I look in the videos. It's more about just being like, I deserve a place to exist and my body deserves to be honored at its size now. 100%. And, you know, I remember watching that video that you posted two years ago. I, well, you know, I always think you look great. You were just, to me, just you're just you and watching your content that you're putting out at the minute I love it as well like your thrift store try-ons of all the clothes that you got amazing you look stunning love it and it, <laughs> it's funny because the point that you just made really brings back something that I think depending on which order I release this episode in at this point in time at the time of recording this come this quote has come up in every single episode I think that I've done which is sorry in season three which is the hardest relationship you'll ever have or the most important relationship that you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. And that includes the journey that you go on physically. Like we talk about body positivity and a lot of people, when they hear body positivity, they automatically go to visualizing people in larger bodies, accepting their bodies. But one of the things in terms of body positivity and body acceptance that I'm struggling with at the minute is getting older. You sure my body's changing, but on top of that, my face is changing and my hair is graying and my beard is graying. And we, you know, there is this constant battle to stay young and to stay relevant. Um, yes. And that's, that's, that's what I struggle with. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who works in hair the other day. And I was like, so I feel like I should embrace my gray because everybody on social media is like, oh, you should embrace the gray hair. And I'm like, but how do I do that? Because I don't think I'm ready to be as gray as I am right now. And he was just like, if you're not ready, just don't, don't even worry. Just like keep doing what you're doing and stay comfortable. But yeah, getting older. That opens up the conversation there to toxic positivity, doesn't it? Because it's like you are told and we are seen through social media you should be embracing your grays. You should age gracefully. You should embrace, you know, makeup-free selfies and let your gray hair come in and like love the fat body that you're in. And it's like, that's toxic positivity because you're telling me if I don't do this, then I'm not like, you know, doing things right by myself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And toxic positivity is one of the things that I wanted us to touch on because there is that it's almost like if something swings so far one way, it goes back and swings the other way. And the whole movement itself for body positivity seems to have gone from celebrating bodies in all shapes and forms and sizes and ages and everything to, yeah, it's just gone to that toxic place where it's just one of those things that I find incredibly frustrating. And there's a lot of people out there who produce content that plays on everybody else's insecurities Mm, yeah and it's really disappointing to see that and it's also like I personally feel that the body positivity movement is a place for everyone um, which is different to the fat positivity movement which is obviously a space for fat bodies to celebrate and that's they should have that space they should have a safe space that's separate you know but the body positivity movement should be a place where whoever you are whatever you're struggling with 
you should have a space there to go, this is hard for me and I'm still working out how I cope with it. And you should have the support there in that movement. Mm -hmm, 100%. Now going back to body acceptance, how are you accepting your body? I know just before we got into the show, you and I were having a little catch up and you were talking about being naked. (laughs) Don't start no, remember, um, I hate that. <laughs> you hate ASMR. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I feel as though like a tip for anyone out there who's, you know, if we want to talk about a few tips, things that have worked for me personally, and I know what works for me is not going to work for everyone. But I feel as though one of the biggest things that has really helped me is that the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I've gotten in my body, I have been more likely and more inclined to be nude more often. So these days, Wherever possible, I try and be naked. So I will do some cleaning naked. I will dance around in my underwear. I will do yoga naked sometimes. I'll walk around naked during the day, full light, around the house. I sleep naked. Like I do a lot of stuff in the world naked. And I do it because it helps me to get more acclimatized to my body. I feel as though you become desensitized to how your body exists when you do things in it completely nude that are not considered sexual things it desexualizes your body and it removes it from the need to be judged uh from an aesthetic position because it's not about it being beautiful it's just about it being a body that you know you're moving through the world in if that makes sense so I have found being naked more often really helps me the more I'm naked the more comfortable I am in my body I'm so comfortable being nude now that I went and swam at the pool the other day and when I went to the change room I just stripped off and then I realized that I was naked in the change room in front of people and I was like right because people started looking at me a bit uncomfortable like (laughs) try not to look and I was like oh yeah no that's weird to people I forgot (laughs) it's weird to be naked in front of people okay fair enough But that's Um, the thing it's not weird for you it's weird for them and the bigger question for them is why is it weird for them I remember you know you would have heard season two episode one of my show we had Brendan Jones who was the guy from Get Naked Australia and he obviously does a lot of work to destigmatize the sexualizing over sexualizing of people's bodies and you know they celebrate bodies in all all their shapes sizes and colors and everything and there he actually had his not long after we released that episode his Instagram account for that for Get Naked Australia got banned for like a whole year that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You only so went back up because they were um, so recently. careful about how they posted. I know. And you look at some of the content that other people are posting that is not body positive. It's like guys with a boner in their shorts mm. and that's not getting banned from places yeah. like Instagram, but somebody out in nature just with their bum on show with a little pixelated bum crack is not acceptable. There's a problem here. But yeah, I completely agree with you in terms of being naked and being Do you embrace nudity of... much, Sean? Like are you a bit of a nudist <sighs> at home? When I was in my early 20s, I was a bit of a prude when it came to nudity. And that came from, I think, my own body hangups. Like, don't get me wrong, I would be fine if other people were nude. I just wouldn't want to be walking around the house in in my underwear or naked. But now I don't care. Like now I'm quite happy to be in my nude at my home. Mm. Yeah. Like it's fine. To me, it is really just it is a vessel in which I I go about my day and it's my body. I don't like it. Like here you go. I've got shorts on. I probably I've got my Zoom outfit on, but I don't like this bit. I feel you. And like I have a belly and 
I am like very aware of it. And it's something that society says, not okay, let's talk about bellies for a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about little bellies. Because when you're a baby, when you're a little child, when we see a little chubby creature of any kind, whether it's like, you know, a little animal or something, the number one thing that we all say about it is, oh my God, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, look at this little belly. And you just want to give it little belly rubs. We find it adorable in everything except adult human bodies. And suddenly, ew. It's like, why? Why though? <laughs> Makes no sense. It's absolute nonsense. And but the, the problem is that I have with that is that my belly, I have a belly. I don't like my belly. Obviously, just said that. I'll look at people on Instagram and social media and I'll be and they don't have to be, you know, ripped. Just people who are in a normal, what society would say is a normal body. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, of As course. For what I have is not good enough. Your body's beautiful, obviously. Thanks, you girlfriend. Know, you are like you're a gorgeous man. I think you are. Uh, I think you're sometimes aware of it, but sometimes maybe not so much. I think like everyone, you have insecurities, but you are obviously a very attractive man. You know, you look good. Your face is nice. Like you are a bit of a vampire. You haven't aged in ten years. You're finally starting to age, and you're like, "What is this?" <laughs> like, again, like, what it, is I this get gray it. hair? What is this going on? <laughs> But I I will do that too. And like, stupidly, I will look at people who are mid-sized like me, but they have a slightly different like structure to their body where they've got bigger hips. And I'm like, oh, I want slightly bigger hips because I've got big shoulders or they have like nicer lips and a smaller nose. And I'll be like, I want that. And I don't have that. And those little comparisons always creep in. The thing that makes people, I think, most beautiful and the thing that's most attractive about these people that we compare ourselves with online is usually just that they're very comfortable with who they are. They're very confident in who they are. And, you know, that's what we're actually relating to and liking about them. They're allowed to be comfortable and confident because they're gorgeous. Exactly. But like, you know, we're coveting actually not the physical attribute but the the purity of their you know acceptance of themselves I think yeah and it's actually just translating to us as being a physical attribute but really it's to do with them liking who they are and being comfortable with who they are that's just one theory I have I did have a couple more tips though before we got off topic about we were talking about being nude helping you accept your body another big tip I would have for people is that when you are going through a phase where you're not entirely happy with how you look and you're struggling to accept your body at the moment I would recommend buying yourself clothes that are made out of nice material things that feel good against your skin you know whether for you that's velvet or satin or silk or whatever it might be like I don't do silk because I'm vegan but whatever it is that feels nice against your skin that makes you feel good in it buy shit that looks good on you wear stuff that if you've got, you know, if you've got great boobs and you love your boobs and show them off, if you, if you like your ass and wear high cut shorts, just embrace the parts of your body that you love most, show them off and be comfortable with exposing and getting into those kind of outfits. Even if you're going to have a little bit of a belly there, it really doesn't matter if that's visible. You've just got to, you know, embrace that along with everything else and just sort of focus on the parts that you enjoy more. And it helps you accept the other parts, I think. I think, yeah, I would agree. I guess my concern would be don't do that, though, if you're not comfortable doing it. Because then, of course, you'll go out into the world and you'll be conscious of of those, you know, other areas or whatever that you're not comfortable with. And that would be that would be a worry. Don't do it if you only do it if you're confident enough and comfortable enough. And if you're not, you'll get there because body acceptance. And what I can say about body acceptance is that I found and you sort of touched on it before, the older I've gotten, 
the more accepting I am of my body. And I think, I, I guess you've got some mileage and you kind of go, oh, I appreciate the fact that you didn't give out on me when I was drinking so much in my early 20s and we're still yeah. going strong. <laughs> Good on your liver. But um, you kind of accept your body a little bit more like in that instance. And I think as you get older, you kind of, you stop giving so much of a shit about what everybody else thinks. And this is still Mm. a journey that I'm on. Like I still give a shit, but less so than I did 10 years ago. And that I think is a real big part of body acceptance. And it's a shame for a lot of people that they don't get there sooner, that you have to get through a bit of the life to learn to sort of love the skin you're in. Because I mean, if I... It's another one of my little jokes, the, my inappropriate jokes that I shouldn't say is, you know, I wish I was, wish I was as thin as I was when I used to think I was fat. Mm. Looking back and you kind of don't appreciate the fact that youth and all of these things that you actually were pretty good the whole time. And it's yeah. just society at that time made you feel like you were not enough. And then as the years go on and you look back, you can go, you know what, 10, 15 years ago, I actually was enough. And I wish that that younger version of me knew what I know now but you know that's life you gotta gotta cross a lot of water under the bridge to get to where we're at now absolutely I I think that too about you know previous incantations that I've been in like when I was a teenager when I was in my early 20s all the struggles that I had then the way I thought of myself then you know which is so silly but I think we were policing other bodies a lot more heavily and as a result policing our own bodies back Mm -hmm. then like 10 years ago 15 years ago there was so much more policing of bodies and I think I would have and did receive and a lot more judgment for how I was these days. I I am most of the time in a crop top of some kind. And, you know, that is like a strange thing because 15 years ago I would never have been. And had I been, people would have gone, uh, are you sure you should wear that? Like I would have gotten <laughs> comments like that. Like their and opinions just, actually matter. Yeah. Yeah. And you just don't see as much of that anymore because people I think are beginning to cotton onto the fact that it's not okay to comment on other people's bodies and you should just sort of back up. And like, if you've got an opinion, keep it to yourself, you know, don't judge other people. I also think that like we've kind of spoken about people are actually more accepting and less I guess, police about people's, yeah, appearance now. They're more like, oh, that's great. I think people are more encouraging of people accepting their bodies. And back then their whole attitude was different and it was so much more, yeah, like tell everyone else that they're wrong because everyone else didn't like their body. Like no matter who you were, no matter how skinny you were or whatever, there was stuff that you were unhappy with about your body back then and you were policing everyone else while policing yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remember that when it comes to sizing of clothes, that's not, there's no, like a size 10 in Australia is not a size 10 in the UK, which is not a size 10 in the US, which is not a size 10 in anywhere else. The sizing of clothes, it doesn't matter. Just wear what is comfortable, wear what fits you in the way that you Mm -hmm. want it to fit you. And every brand has different sizing to every other brand. So you can change wildly. Like I can be five different sizes though at the one time. So, you know, it's uh yeah. <laughs> Size, it's a spectrum. Um, okay, so body neutrality was the other topic that I wanted to touch on. So instead of focusing on 
loving how your body looks no matter what or on accepting your body as it is body neutrality is a philosophy that believes bodies are neither good nor bad body neutrality is also the idea that we can still care for our bodies even if we don't view them positively it is a relatively new concept which has been popularized by bloggers celebrities and intuitive eating coaches who have helped to promote the idea that physical appearance does not determine self-worth body neutrality does not require that you love your body all the time which can be a heavy ask for people who have been taught to hate their bodies for years and even decades okay go sorry (laughs) I think that that's a very important term and obviously like it changes from person to person what that means for you but for me that's been a big part of my journey to realizing that I'm not entirely cis like I'm not an entirely cisgendered person And I exist in a more in-between space where I present feminine a lot of the time because I don't have to owe the world, you know, like uh, androgyny to appear non-binary. But I think that I sort of move between feeling feminine and feeling non-binary and just like a human being. And part of that is realizing that I feel quite neutral about my body and about my gender expression when I'm not performing femininity. So that's been a huge part of how I've sort of come to accept. The only thing that really frustrates me is that I have such large breasts. It's really obvious that I'm still a like female born body when I'm wearing baggy clothes and that kind of bothers me. But I, I am on the pro I'm going through the process of dealing with that in a neutral kind of way. So that's been a part of it. I think it's, it's interesting because there are two birth genders essentially, but you know, you don't have to identify as either or any at all. Mm. Um, I really embrace this journey for you because I think, I think it's great. And when you first mentioned it to me, I found it, it just all sort of makes sense. You know, when you talk about the performance of the femininity side of things where, you know, it essentially, you know, for a lot of women out there, day-to-day is a performance like you literally are putting on a face every day Mm -hmm. and not something that has been asked of men in general it's not something that that society has said hey can you just not look like that and can you make yourself look better thanks great um (laughs) so when you were talking about the performance of it all and then you know when you're at home you're likely to be found in you know overalls and oversized clothes and you know essentially just comfortable clothes like you don't you're not in that performance space I just I I found the whole the way you worded it and the way you explained it to me when you you told me it all just made perfect sense and I love that for you because it's very much who you are and I know you not as you know I know to me you're always Rochelle don't always view you as a woman I view you as Rochelle yeah no you view me as a human well I think that we we remove some of that gender expression when we come to know other human beings very like properly Um, We don't necessarily associate their gender so heavily with who we know them to be as a human being. But I feel like gender plays such an important role in how we relate to the world. And like you said, there's so much performance there. So I think what made me first realize that I wasn't cis as a part of my kind of body neutral sort of, um, you know, acceptance um, was I shot a video where I was doing something and I just had this realization when I was viewing the video back and editing it and I wasn't wearing any makeup and I hadn't done anything to like perform as female. I was like, 
oh, I'm just a, I'm, I'm a human. That's not a female. That's not a woman. That's just a human. That's just a person. And I feel as though it's something that a lot of people actually feel that, that kind of um, in-between space of not being like, you know, specifically one gender or another. I think it's very common in people who are on the spectrum as well. And people, you know, who kind of exist in that space where they're neurodivergent. And so it's not as clearly associated to one end of the spectrum or the other. But I also find it interesting that for a very long time, the way that I performed femininity was in a acceptable male pleasing kind of way. And it was derived from what was considered traditionally and, you know, of the moment attractive for men at this point, which, you know, is often kind of like, leaning towards feminine, pretty and, you know, natural hair colors, natural looking makeup. We don't want anything a bit too much. The more that I express just as myself and as a human being, the more I'm like playing with color and, you know, just getting really comfortable in who I am and comfortable with being as loud and bright and obnoxious as I want to be. Like I've now taken doing my makeup with like the four white dots and I like doing that. And I like wearing color more often now, which I was always afraid to use because when I was younger, I remember being told like colorful makeup is unattractive. Men don't like that. And I had internalized so much misogyny and so much, you know, kind of like these, these attitudes about how gender works and about how I should perform my gender for the world, especially as a plus size assigned female at birth person. And I'm starting to unlearn so much of that. And that's been a huge part of getting comfortable. Like my YouTube videos, I have one up today or yesterday it went up um, of dyeing my hair pink and in it for 14 minutes, like it's a 14 minute video for about 12 of those minutes. I'm wearing no makeup. It's a really bad angle. I'm like putting hair dye on things and like doing this and just looking like I look, you know, not great for like what we consider looking great. But it doesn't bother me to appear, you know, quote unquote, unattractive by society standards for women because I don't see myself entirely as a woman. And it helps me to divorce from that as well and to unlearn those expectations on my body. So that's, I guess, a complicated path to body neutrality. But yeah, I think it's an interesting angle to the conversation about body positivity, body neutrality and acceptance to come at it from a gender identity perspective and how that helps you embrace the body that you're in with challenges, you know, like you say, having large breasts and you don't always want, you know, the world to see that, but Mm. it is part of your body. And, you know, unless you're willing to have a reduction, then it's not, you know, it's something that you're going to have to try and find a way to embrace in your identity. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like Mm -hmm. for me, my voice always comes up because as I've mentioned in a previous episode, it's not the most masculine of voices. I've been mistaken for for many, a woman many a time. And when I was younger and I had not hair like this, but it was, you know, slightly longer for boys. All the other guys around that time had shaved heads and really short, had spiky hair and, you know, early 2000 looks. And my kind of had that floppy hair going on and I was clean shaven. I would have, you know, little kids would sometimes say to me, are you a boy or a girl? And I would always find it so offensive, but they're innocent. Mm. Like it's, you know, if it was coming from somebody who was in their thirties then maybe I'd have a problem, 
but yeah. um yeah like that my voice is part of my identity and it's always been like I'll, I'll pick up the phone to to phone a bank or whatever and I'll have to go deeper in my voice hello like it still doesn't sound great in that way <laughs> In that way, aren't you performing masculinity in the way that society views? Not well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need some acting lessons on masculinity. <laughs> um, but I mean, it kind of falls under that thing. Like everybody is different. We're all unique, wonderful little unicorns that are floating around the galaxy. And can't everybody just be who they are? Like, why? <laughs> Why do I have mm-hmm. to have, as a, as a guy, why do I have to have a deep voice to be considered masculine? You know, I, firstly, I, I grew, I ended up growing a beard because I was like, well, this is going to help. <laughs> and it did. But, you know, it's, it's all about acceptance. I accept yeah. it as my voice now. It's taken a long time to get here. But like you say before about being uncomfortable, you know, you sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to get to the good place. And so, you know, for me during the podcast, putting my voice out there, being uncomfortable with the way my voice sounds to other people, not to me, like I like it, it's mine now, like I'm I'm okay with it. But by putting it out there allowed me to, I guess, really embrace it and accept it as part of me. And it's like being naked. If you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. being naked in a private space, maybe you should be naked in a private space more often until it's no longer uncomfortable. At the end of the day, we're, we're here for a, a short time. We're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. So we need to embrace the bodies that we're in. We need to accept it yeah. to be able to really enjoy our time here. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I think that often we are uncomfortable when we're in that place of growth. You know, we're at our most uncomfortable when we're growing and we're having those growing pains, whether it's personally and emotionally or whatever it might be. It's often when you are like, oh, you're in a place of growth and it feels uncomfortable because the habits and the person that you used to be, you're not going to be anymore. So falling back into them doesn't feel right anymore. And as you sort of like establish who you're becoming, it's hard to find any safe spaces because you're changing and establishing what those are going to be once you've changed into who you're going to be next. We're always growing though. I think everyone is always in different phases of growth Mm -hmm. and it often is an uncomfortable feeling. And in a situation like this where it's personal growth and it's about coming to accept yourself more, it's very hard to get to that place. But what was uncomfortable becomes like, a comfortable space and a comforting space over time because you do it enough and you get there. Like I am so comfortable being naked now. And when we come home, I'm often like, turn on the heater, stripping off. And Daniel's like, it's five degrees. West of the west. And I'm like, just turn the heater on. Okay. going to walk around nude for a little while. <laughs> so Michelle, I think we've covered a lot of ground here with this one and as we said at the top of the show there's always going to be a bigger conversation than what we could have on this one little podcast so I guess to wrap to wrap us up I'm going to throw it to you to give us a final thought and just tell us again who you think we should be following and how people can embrace the body that they're in yeah definitely well I think my biggest takeaway from the experiences that I've had mostly comes back to just getting comfortable with existing in that in-between space. You know, 
I'm not always feeling really negative about my body. I'm not always feeling really positive, but more and more, and with my gender expression too, like we've been talking about more and more, I feel that I exist in a space that is really in between all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with taking space in that in-between land and like not falling to either side. So I think my biggest takeaway for everyone would be to get comfortable being in the in-between space and being neutral about your body, get naked more often, go and follow Megan Jane Crab that used to be Body Posse Panda, Jamila Jamil, and probably also Lizzo because she's a queen. And yeah, thank you so much for listening today, guys. Amazing. Thanks, Michelle. Always a pleasure having you here. And I'm sure we will see you again before this season is out. Thank you. (laughs) So guys, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the show. Please remember that we are not health professionals and that all advice featured on this episode is opinion and experience based for both myself and my guest. If you think you might need help with your diet, lifestyle, health or mental well-being or anything else for that matter, please engage the advice of a trained professional. They are here to help us all. Again, a huge thank you to Michelle for coming back on the show. It's always so much fun getting to dive into topics with them. If you want to keep up with Michelle and the podcast may contain traces of soy, then you can follow their social links, including the YouTube channel, which I've put all of those links for their shows in the show notes for you, along with the links to the Body Positive Ambassadors we mentioned during the show and any articles which were referenced. So that's all for now, guys. Stay safe, look after each other, and I'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.